Welcome to another conversation with Lamp. I'm the host, James Lampian, and I got a very special guest with me. She's the author of the book, He Kept Me. Mrs. Tanya Dickens, thank you for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I wanted to congratulate you on writing a book. You know, everybody always say, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. How, what made you actually write a book? Well, God has been so good to me, and I just want to um, first thank and praise him for even allowing me to write the book and giving me the testimonies to write the book. But um, some years ago, my son um, lost his vision and his hearing in his left ear. So he lost his vision in both eyes and his hearing in his left ear. And um, just to give you a little history on him, he was born with sickle cell. SS is the um, the type that he had. And so he, as I said, in 2007, he lost his vision in both eyes and his hearing in his left ear. And he just began to give up on life because of all the pain and suffering that he had to deal with going through dealing with the sickle cell and so when that com those complications came about he just began to give up on life he said it he just didn't know what his purpose was for being here he don't know why he was here because he he was in so much pain all the time he didn't know when the pain would come how long the pain would last when the pain would go away and when the pain would return. And so to lose his vision and hearing, that was tough for him. And at that time he was about 19 years old. And um, in the midst of him not having his vision, I told God when he restores his hearing and vision, I would tell it everywhere I go. And so in May 2008, when God restored his hearing and vision, I told it everywhere I go. And this is just another way for me to tell that testimony along with a lot of other testimonies which God has done for me that no man or no money could ever do. So, so you started the process in 2008. So this was a long process. I mean, from what I can gather, it was a long process writing this book. Well, okay. So the process of writing the book actually came around 2015, 16. But just me saying that I was going to tell that testimony, that came about back in 2000 seven when he lost his vision and hearing so i would do it word of mouth but as the years had gone on and god has done so many great and amazing and miraculous things in my life i just began to think about how i could tell it because i was i'm not the type of person to go out a lot i don't go to too many places but those places i did go i did tell people but i figured around like i said 2015 2016 i decided you know what i'll reach more people by writing this book and so that's when i put it into words 
So can you talk about some of the challenges that came with writing the book? Well, I would say the biggest challenge that I had was when I first started writing the book, because as I said, it's a it's all about testimony in which God has kept me in every area of my life. And some of the things that I have had to endure in my life, beginning at age four, all the way up until present time. And I would say over 40 years of pain, suffering, uh, dealing with being controlled, abuse. Um, those things led to a lot of pain of me having to remember and relive those things I started writing about in the book. And so when I initially started writing, my hair began to fall out. One thing that people would always remember me by is my hair. And they would always talk about my hair, how, oh, it's so thick and it's so, oh, it just looks like a rug. Oh, your hair is so healthy. But as I started writing the book, my hair just started falling out. I mean, I could, I have natural hair and it's curly. It's really, I mean, it shrinks really tight when I wet it. So when I would stretch my hair out, the pieces I would stretch would fall, would come right out of my scalp. I could be walking down the street and my hair would just be falling and walking around the house and it would just be falling out of my head. And I can remember that it was so choppy that I went to my, um, my hairstylist and when I asked her, could she just cut it even for me because it was just, it was really bad. And so, I remember her just having this really sad look on her face and she said, go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor and get yourself checked out. Go get your thyroid checked out. And, wow. I, and, and, and I couldn't tell her that it has nothing to do with my thyroid. It has everything to do with what I'm dealing with because harboring a whole lot of pain and suffering for that many years can cause, you know, it'll eat you up on the inside. So you, you, you really have to deal with the things on the inside because if you don't, it will show up on you later. Right, right. So how did you, like, how did you feel? Like, were you scared? Were you fearful when you were losing your hair? Oh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, my hair, like I said, it was really thick, but as it started to fall out, I was like, you know what? I mean, sometimes I would look in the mirror and I honestly, I would just sit there and, and just start crying because my hair was bald. I mean, bald spots. I, I took pictures and I shared them on Facebook. That was another testimony that I shared, you know, with people that, you know, how God restored my hair. But when my hair, it was like bald spots, like in the front of my head and on the side and the back and, and then not only were they bald spots, the thickness had started to turn thin. So it was no way to cover it. So I would just sometimes, I, was, I started to feel like depressed because I said, now nobody's going to be saying they wish they had hair like this. 
So I started feeling bad. And that caused me to start thinking, maybe I should stop writing. Wow. Because if I stop writing, then my hair would stop falling out. So that's what I did. I stopped writing. And I stopped writing for a long time. And my hair started to grow back. Wow. So how did you how did you build up the strength to keep going? Because clearly you you the, the hair loss was in relation to the writing. So how did you get the courage to pick up writing again? So I started to look back over my life and see how God has brought me through so many other things and how he has restored so many things like my son's vision and his hearing. When my son lost his hearing and vision, God restored both those things. So I said, hmm, if God can restore hearing and vision to my son, surely he can restore my hair. And that's when I started to realize that that was just a distraction to keep me from doing what God has, the work that God had for me to do. So I started writing again. And as I continued to write, my hair was still being restored. And my hair is um, been fully restored and some. Wow. Wait a minute that. So how did you, we're going to go to, to the beginning. Like, how did you, how did you begin to build faith? Like, what was the, who was instrumental in you, introducing you to God? Okay, well, my grandparents, my mother, um, my mother would take us to church all the time. I mean, she kept us in church. Her faith is very strong, and it was back then. She made sure she um, brought us up in church and she taught us to put God first in everything we do. You know, she taught us about um, paying our tithes and offerings and, and you know, just, just to live our life according to God's will. And um, also my grandparents, my grandfather, who was a preacher, he was a reverend and my grandmother, uh, they they taught me a lot of scriptures and and again kept us in church most of my life growing up. They taught us how to pray, how to fast, how to read the Bible, study the Bible, study to show ourselves approved. Um, um, and my aunt Fanny and my uncle Randolph, they gave me scriptures growing up you know, to encourage me. And they taught me one in particular, and I believe it's Isaiah 53 and 5 or something like that, and where it, it, it talks about by God's stripes, we are healed. And that goes back to my son and his situation, his health issues. And so I stood on those um, principles that I was taught at a very young age. And those the, the things that were, um, I would say, taught to me at that very young age is what has gotten me to gotten me through so many of the things I've gone through in my life. Wow. So let's talk about the. Um, you have you you had you had a good base. You had people who um, showed introduced you to God. Was there ever a time in your life that you actually lost faith? No. No. Wow. No. Wow, that's amazing. Never. 
because no. I because I read the book. It's an excellent book. It was um it was hard to read. Um, and that was one of the reasons I asked because usually when people go through so much pain, they tend to lose faith. So is is there a way you can pinpoint like how you didn't lose faith? Well, I tell you this. Um, for one, when you go through as much, when a person goes through as much as I've gone through, and with the people who are as close to me as the ones who were close to me have put me through, um, you have to have the knowledge and the the trust to know that there is somebody above all of all of them and all of us so because guess what if you don't believe if 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 you only believe that it's just you and these other people man you definitely will lose faith but so you have to believe in something higher and above yourself and that's what i did i had to just trust that i know like i said being brought up in the church at such a young age i i just i held on to that faith i believe the bible is true i believe what the word says is true i believe that god is who he say he is so every time that i had a trial or tribulation i just looked to my father who's in heaven and i'm telling you i prayed and I prayed and I stood on that faith and I trusted in him. Because once he delivered me one time, then anything else that ever came up, I just looked back to what he already done for me. And I said, okay, well, you did that. So I know you can surely do this. And each time it just, it was like going up a ladder. Okay, God, you did this. So I know you'll be able to do this. So here comes another storm. And I say, okay, God, you did that so i know you will be able to do this and then it got to the point where one time because sometimes i mean the thing gets so strong and it feel like you 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 might not be able to hang on you you, you might feel like you know ooh, this this is a big one this is a doozy but like i said i would get a piece of paper and on one side i wrote down okay god restored vision Sight to my son's eyes, hearing to his deaf ear. Now, mind you, I took him to seven different hospitals, each one bringing in their best team. And they told me specifically, this is permanent. There's nothing we can do. Wow. So because God restored his hearing and vision, I wrote that down on one side of the paper. And then on the other side, whatever I was going through, I wrote it on the other side. And when I looked at those things I was going through, I said, now, God restored sight to his eyes and hearing to his ears, so surely he can do this. Surely he can do that. And that's what kept me going each and every time. Amen. So I want to go into um, your upbringing. I want you to describe, like, um, the, the, the relationship with your parents because I think that's important. Okay, so my parents, my father, I didn't know my father. My father 
passed away when I was around two years old. And um, so I, I didn't know him. I didn't know any of his family. Um, I did have pictures of my father and his family, uh, but I never had a relationship with them. Um, the pictures that I had were, of course, from my mother, and she kept them. And, and so sometimes I can remember as a child running, to, running into my grandmother specifically in maybe a grocery store or something, and um, I would always ask her, I, I would run up to her and ask her if, if she is who I thought she was. And, and she would say, yeah, yeah. And I would tell her who I was. I would tell her, I'm your granddaughter. And she was like, oh, okay, you know, how's your mom? And this and that and small talk. But I could remember giving her my phone number, our phone number several times. And she would say, okay, I'm going to call you. But she never called. Wow. She, she never called. Did that bother you? Absolutely. It did. It did because I wanted a relationship. My father was already gone. So I wanted a relationship with his side of the family. I wanted okay. to get to know who my father was. I mean, what did he think about me? Did he ever talk about me? Do I look like him? Do I act like him? I mean, was it is it anything about me that reminds you of him? I mean, those are the questions that I had for them, but they were never answered because I could never get I never had was able to spend time with them. They never returned my call. They never came to see about us. They never called to see if they could come and pick us up or anything. So I did not have a relationship with my father my biological father and his family. So now my mother, on the other hand, my mother, I love my mother. She's, a, she, she's the most beautiful, honorable woman. Uh, I, just, I, I just love my mother. She, um, she means the world to me. My mother raised me to be the person that I am. She told me at a young age to treat people the way I want to be treated. And I never really understood that because she said it, you know, so much growing up. I never really understood. I'm like, okay, what does she talk about? Treat people how I want to be treated. But as the years went on and as time went on, I began to understand just what she meant. And so it kind of helped me to become the person who I am. But um, yeah, my mother, she, she was a, a, a wonderful mother. She raised me. Uh, she spent time with us, you know, when she wasn't working, of course. Um, she made sure we had the best what, of, of what she had to give. She made sure we had the best. We were taken very well taken care of. Um, so yeah, she she did a great job raising us as a single single mother. That's excellent. Um, of course, I know. I mean, we we grew up in the same house, and you know, at this interview, you know, it was a little. I had to be honest. I was a little nervous about doing it because, you know, it's a lot of personal things, and 
I was actually, um, like when I read the book, I was a little shocked. Um, um, it was a lot of things that I didn't know. And I just, I, it was really difficult to read because um, just knowing that you experienced so much pain and we grew up in the same house and I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one thing I'll say is when speaking about abuse, abusers, I feel, they know, they know how to abuse in a way that people won't know about it. And they know how to keep the person that they are abusing from telling about the abuse. And that goes back to, again, when I said being controlled for like 40 years. And one thing about abuse, I'm going to say, it could start out in one form of abuse, and then you get delivered from that form of abuse, and then you'll be into another form of abuse without even realizing that you're being abused. That's how things, you, it, that, that's just the form, uh, I mean, that's just the way things happen sometimes. You get delivered from one thing, and then here comes another form, and you don't even realize you, that it's happening to you. Yeah, it, it's um, it was you know you just you just never know what people are going through. It was um, I, I just couldn't believe um, like just reading it, like how you was able to persevere and get through that because it was a it was a lot. Like it was just the stories and it was just so much. Um, can you talk about like some of the the physical? tolls that the stresses that dealing with your situation took on you? Um, you mean as, as far as um, as far as what when you say um, well in, in the book in the book because I'm not going I'm not going to go too deep in the book because I want people to read it for themselves but I just felt that it was important to touch on you, you you went in depth about you having eczema Okay, so, well, here's the thing. When I was being abused, I decided I would stop the abuse by uh, causing harm to myself. And, and, and when I say that, I mean, um, after I was abused, I decided that I would get like a, take like a brush or anything that was, that had like kind of like a sharp, sharpness to it. And I would just take it in and just scrape my skin, you know, to cause webs and marks and everything. And, um, and I can remember my mother was like, What's going on? We gotta take you to the doctor. We'll take you to the dermatologist, and they, to, and, and she took me to the doctor, and um, they were telling her I had atopic dermatitis. So they were giving us this cream to for me to use. Oh, put this cream on, and that'll clear it right up. And um, and it wasn't clearing up. 
And my mother couldn't understand. She said, well, I'm gonna have to take her back because that stuff ain't doing nothing. That, that cream is not working. But she had no idea that it wasn't working because I didn't want it to work because mm. I wasn't using it. I, wow. um, I went from using a brush, I would use a comb, then I started using a knife. Wow. And, and I, I would cut myself and um, it, it, it got pretty bad. I, I mean, I would cut my arms, my legs, my neck, my face, my back. Wait a minute, you, you, said, your, you said your neck? Mm-hmm, my neck, Wait. my face. Were you ever were you ever scared that you might hit like a vein or a nerve and really cause damage? Well, well, you know what? I never even thought about that. My only the only thing I was concerned about was cutting my skin so bad that if anybody saw me again and they would not want to hurt me, they wouldn't want to abuse me again because my skin would look so bad to them that it would make them not even want to touch me. So, I mean, thinking about, thinking back now, I mean, I could have, I, I could have killed myself, but I, I definitely didn't want, I wouldn't have wanted to kill myself, but I was just all about marking my body up so much that, you know, nobody would ever want to take advantage of me like that again. Wow, I want to talk about um, you. Meant, you you mentioned your you mentioned um, your son because that was really like the big motivation of writing the book. That was like a huge factor. Can you talk about how having him at such a young age changed your life? Okay, so um, it definitely changed my life. I ended up, um, as I say, he was born with a sickle cell, and so. That took a toll on me because here I am in high school with a baby and, um, and he sticks on missing a lot of school. My grandmother was taking care of him while I went to school and then that got overwhelming for her. So I had to drop out of school for a year until he at least could walk and then return back to school. So um, it, it was a it was a lot. It took a toll on me because I'm I'm trying to care for a, a sick child, and then at the same time I'm trying to get my education, and then at the same time I have so many uh so many different things going on with me that it's like it's hard to concentrate. So sometimes I would be at school, be in school, but not really there. I'm not really. I, it's like I couldn't really focus. And then, as far as my attitude, it's like I had a bad attitude. I'm, I'm like angry at everything that has ever gone on with me, and I'm, I'm, I'm snapping at people. I'm being short with them. I'm always looking like I'm mad or like I got an attitude, and people thinking she, she was mean, she mean, but really I'm not. And I wasn't being mean, and I wasn't trying to be standoffish. It's just that I was dealing with so much. So did the thought of you dropping out and just stopping your education, not finishing, did that ever cross your mind? No, never, never. And I've had, I did have people in my family to say, oh, you're going to be just like so-and-so. You're not going to go back to school. You're just going to be a dropout. 
And I was thinking, no, because sometimes the very thing that somebody say that I'm not going to do, that makes me do it even better. And it makes me do it. It makes me strive, you know, even harder to make sure that I get it done when somebody tells me it's something that I can't do. Yeah. Or so that I won't do. So what was you feeling when you actually walked across that stage after all, you know, after all the trials and tribulations and you actually did obtain the high school diploma so you accomplished that goal? So what was the feeling like when you actually walked across the stage? You know, sadly, I don't even remember. Oh. I don't even remember that. I have a I have a picture of me um, graduating. I've seen pictures, but I can't even remember. It's it's like my mind. I feel like I was just dealing with so much stuff that the things that I was dealing with is the only thing that I can remember. I don't, I don't remember a whole lot of stuff. See, I'm I'm a little I'm gonna tell you I'm a little surprised at that answer only because you it, you know you were so motivated to do it. So the fact that you were so motivated to do it, I I you know I, I thought you would remember what you felt because you know when when something when you're so motivated to do something because you said you know you didn't want to end up like so and so and you want to make sure you finish. So I thought you know what you accomplishing such a big goal because that's a big I mean that's a big goal considering you know all the circumstances you're going through. I'm a little surprised that you don't remember what you felt. Yeah, I and you know what. I don't remember, but I do know that I had, I knew that I would do it because the things that I had gone on, in, that had gone on in my life, I knew that I wanted better for my son. And the only way that I could get that done is to make sure that I graduated first and then, you know, go on and get a, a job, a career so that I could, you know, afford to take care of him. But I, I really don't remember. And, and and another thing, I've had friends from school, I mean, classmates, and have come to me and like, oh, you know, we used to be tight back in school. I had, in the sad, but I don't even remember having these relationships with these people. Mm. How does that make you feel? I, I feel, I, it makes me feel sad that I don't remember some of these people that say that we were good, close friends. Now, I do have, I can, I, I do have friends that I am still in contact with from high school and middle school that we, and we were friends and we stayed connected. And I do remember our relationships, but some people I just don't remember. And I don't and I think it might have to do with those people were instrumental in helping me to um like be a better, be a good parent to my son. They were, you know, encouraging me with him and they were there for me with him. And they still are in contact with me till today. Okay, I wanted to touch on um, your stepfather because he was prominently mentioned in the book and you speak with such love and affection about him. And I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about him and the impact he made on your life. Oh, 
my stepfather. So I call him my father. He was amazing. Um, he, let's see. I watched him. He, I don't know what a father was supposed to be because I didn't have a father. But if he is what a father looks like, if that's what he was supposed to be, then I can tell you he did an excellent job at being a father. I watched him. Um, he was great, you know, with my mother. And then he took great care of her. And he put my mother first. And then she had us. And so she and so he he took care of us as if we were his own children. He spent time with us. We played games. We went roller skating. I mean, we sat back watching movies. We danced. It was, I mean, he, he was amazing. He never complained. We, you know, he would come up to the school to check on us, talk to our teachers to make sure we were doing what we were supposed to do, pop in at school to make sure we were where we were supposed to be. He was really amazing to me. Yeah, you know, since we, you know, since we on a, we having this conversation, I I can say I didn't really appreciate him until I got to about twenty, I would say about twenty three, twenty four, because that was around the time that I started to have to be a man for myself and fend for myself. And I don't really think people understand how important I'm using the term stepfather because, you know, that's the legal term. But reality was he was a father to us. And I didn't really understand all the things he was doing because I was young. Mm -hmm. So because he did it so effortless, effortlessly, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you tend not to appreciate. But once I got on, on my own, and had to start fending for myself and doing things for myself because this man took me to work. He took me, he helped me get my license. He did a lot. So when I had to start fending for myself, it was like, man, like I didn't realize it takes all this to, to be a man and be a father. So, you know, I definitely appreciate the example that he did set. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause he, he set the bar high. I mean, I I can say I've seen some parents who will, or some fathers, since we're talking about fathers, who will give a child things, clothes, shoes. Those things don't matter because at the end of the day, when the father is gone, what matters most is your memories with that person, your memories with him. Like I have so many fond memories of us with him that, I mean, they will last a, a lifetime. Then I, 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 can, I can just sit back and think about the things that we've all done together. The, the the times we played cards, you know, I mean, just just everything. I mean, even 
when I, I before I could before I was driving and my son would get sick, I don't care, it might have been two o'clock in the morning, he would get up, take us over to children's hospital, and I would say, Okay, um, I know you gotta leave, so I okay, I'm gonna be okay. But in my mind, I really was like, please don't leave us here. Please stay. But I never even had to say that. He stayed every time. He stayed until the sun came up and he had to leave and maybe go to work or whatever he had to do. But he would stay there. I'm sitting in the chair sleep. He's sitting in the chair sleep. And I'd be like, oh, you can go ahead and leave. He would not leave. And he never complained. I mean, we I could be in the hot we could be in the hospital because my son is was admitted. We go home maybe in a week or two, then we come back, go home. My son gets sick again. Two weeks later, five o'clock in the morning, he get up and he would take us back to the hospital and do it just do it all over again. And then when he get discharged, he would come back and pick us up. He never complained. He never complained. He was always there, no matter what. And and I mean, I I, I really love him, and I thank God for blessing him or blessing us to have him in our lives. Yeah, definitely. I'm a, um I'm going to fast forward to today. You got. You know, you got a beautiful family. You talk about your son. Um, but I just wanted you to, to talk about your daughters. Um, what are some of the things that you, you know, that you are trying to instill in them to make sure they grow into the women that you envision them being? Well, same thing that I was taught. Put God first in everything that you do. Pray about everything. Give thanks for everything, because no matter how bad a situation is, there is something to be thankful for, um, to strive and be the best person that they could be. And, um, you know, like I say, like you said, they're in, they're in school, they're actually 16 and 15 years old. They do very well in school, very smart. They're both honor students. Um, and I, I just, I just try to, I just want them to be the best version of themselves. I don't want them to follow after somebody else, be who they are, and be content with that. Okay. Um, because of all the things that you went through, do you feel like um, that you could, that you're a little, that you're much more watchful of them? Like, oh my gosh, to- what? Yes. <laughs> They can't catch a break. (laughs) I feel like because of the things that I've gone through, I have been, I have really sheltered them. Like, they'll be like, Mom, can we go so-and-so place? Or can we go over so-and-so's house? And I'm like, no, I don't know their parents. But Mom, you wave to them. You speak to them, okay, that's waving and speaking. You're not going. Yeah. Uh, and they, I, I, and I, I know I'm, I'm like, I'm not even just overprotective. I am overly protective of them. 
because I don't want their lives to look anything like mine's looked at their age and before. That's understandable because I, I'm gonna tell you, it's. I mean, I'm I'm sure you you know you you run a you know you you overprotective in your way, but I'm gonna tell you, you know, of course, you know your niece, my daughter, you know, with so much going on in the world, it, it, you almost have to be that way. Like I just, I, you know, Nia's only seven, but I just feel, you know, especially as a father, like my main job is to protect my daughter mm-hmm. and I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. I mean, your experiences have, you know, made me more watchful because I don't want, I don't want Nia to experience any pain. Um, Like she's just such a beautiful girl. Like she has a beautiful spirit and I don't want any, any person to ever take that away from her. So mm-hmm. it's it's not just you. I mean, these, you know, we got to protect our children. So I, yeah, it may be a little bit much, mm-hmm. but <laughs> you got to do what you got to do because in the end, we, we, we the protectors and they don't understand, you know, the decisions we make are best for them. So exactly. <laughs> and because it's like, I can remember they wanted to go to their friend's house not far from where we live. And they were like, but everybody is there. All our friends are there. And I said, no, y'all can't go. But mommy, you could come right over and get us. You're going to be right there. You can see the house from here. And, I'm, and I kept saying, no, you cannot go. Because if I allow you to go into these people's home, and I don't know them. So, I, I, I mean, like I said, I will see them. I will speak. But we've never sat down and had a conversation. So I would say they can't go. And so... They, they didn't understand. They're like, but all of their friends' parents let them go. And I said, well, I'm not everybody else's parent. I'm y'all parents. And mm-hmm. I'm not letting you go. Because the thing of it is, had I let them go, I told them I would be up all night, walking the floor, looking out the window, trying to see if I see anything, what's going on. And if something was to happen to them, I would never forgive myself. Yeah. So I told I them I would rather that they be mad for one night than me to be mad at myself for the rest of my life. And I, I think I think as they get older, like they'll 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 understand why yeah. things played out the way they did. Yeah, they do, they and they actually do. They actually understand now. They read when they read the book because I allowed them to read the book. Um, they said. Wow, mommy. Now we see why you feel the way that you feel. We see why you protect us the way that you do. Because, yeah, you've been through a lot. So it's understandable. Were you, um, were you, were you hesitant about letting them read it? or? Oh, no. No. Mm-mm. They're at a good age now. Now, had I, had, if they were younger, I would not, I would have probably been a little hesitant about them reading them reading it but at the age that they are now it's perfect time i mean i would have discussed it with them i would have told them some things but um and explained it to them the best that i could but as far as um no i 
I definitely they I felt that they needed to read it. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a, yeah, it's, it was a man. It was a it was definitely a read. It was um it was a read. Um, oh, no, one it. thing I wanted to, uh, if if you don't mind, let me go back to the 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 cutting part because um, as I told you before, um, how God restored me, so He also restored my my skin. So now I still I can still see some scars, but people on back then when I would cause all these scars, then um, then I would cover up. So maybe summertime when everybody else got on um, short sleeves and shorts, I would have on long sleeves and long pants. So everybody be asking me like, why you got those? Why you got those long sleeves on? Why you got those jeans on? Hot as it is? Why you got those long? And I would be like, oh, I'm not even hot. I'm not hot. Mm-mm. So burn it up, burn it up, sweating. Oh, no, I ain't had, but I was covering up. And then the thing of it is, as God started to heal me and heal my skin, I can still, sometimes I'll catch myself because I'll be looking in a mirror. And even though people, other people may not even see the scars on my body, I can still see them. I can remember where the scars were. And so I might see, be able to see certain things where the stars were, but it definitely is nowhere near what it was. Yeah, that's that's a yeah, God healing powers is amazing. So amazing. So what's some of the um the feedback you've been getting on the book? Oh, I've been getting a lot of great feedback. Um actually I've had many people call me and tell me you know what? You are very brave to have written that book. And um, they they appreciate it because I've had them tell me, several people tell me that their parent may have gone through the same thing that I've gone through and had not discussed it until after they read my book. And so I'm saying like, wow. So your book, so your book, kind of served as a tool of deliverance. It is, yep, and and that's what and I and when I'm talking about the book, I'll let people know it's a faith-filled book, and it offers hope in hopeless situations, because all those situations, those testimonies where I overcame, out those situations for some are are hopeless now. And before, they felt like, some people feel like there is no way out. I mean, some people have gone through these same things but won't even talk about it. They're still bound. And my thing is to get them to come to God and just trust in him and know that he's able to do above and beyond what we can imagine. So imagine yourself on the other side of through. Whatever your through is, imagine yourself on the other side of it. Yeah. I think that I think the title is very important because um I think some people may read the book and miss the message. Miss the message that you're trying to speak a deliverance, speak a healing. And what people, you know, you, you know, people who 
you know, they had the biggest testimony. They go through through the biggest trials. So um, I think people have to really pay attention to the title because you there are people who, you know, they may they may gather, they may read things about the book um, and uh, feel a certain type of way, but you have to keep in mind that the book is based on your healing and your deliverance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my whole thing is the Bible – the Bible is written for us, what they say, Bible basic instructions before leaving earth. When my son lost his vision and hearing, then I searched the scriptures to find those scriptures where God healed the blind, where he healed the deaf ear and brought the, you know, restored vision, restored hearing. So I studied those scriptures and I meditated on them and I prayed and I fasted and I cried and I prayed and I fasted and you know just went through whatever I needed to get through to get to what God had for me so we have to use our testimonies today to bring healing to other people because people have to know that God is still in the miracle working business God is still restoring sight to blind eyes He's still restoring hearing to deaf ears. He's the same God he was yesterday, and he will be the same God forevermore. God wants us to let people know that he is still doing the same things that he's already done. And the Bible also says that we overcome by the words of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. So if the Bible is telling us that we overcome by the words of our testimony, that means that somebody is going to overcome. We need to tell the testimony because when somebody hears about what God has done for me, then they'll say, oh, well, I'm going through the same thing. And if she can be that way now after going through this, then I can be the same way. God can pull me up out of the, the, the sunken place that I'm in. People want, people, we need to, we have to be the mouthpiece. We have to let people know that God is the same God. He's still doing those same things that he did before. And nowadays, because if we all walk around and not tell people about his goodness, can't nobody overcome. Everybody going to just keep thinking, well, yeah, he did it back then, but what is he doing now? And I know I'm not the only one with the testimonies, but I know that I'm the one who's going to start. That, that's starting to get the word out because I told God, I said, you know what? You can trust me with this. You can trust me with it. When you tell me, when you tell me what to do, I'm going to do it. When you tell me to move, I'm going to move. When you tell me, when you give me a testimony, I'm going to tell it. So that's what I do. I tell it. And this is this, this right here, this book, this is my mouthpiece for the places I can't get to, for the people I don't see. Now, I'm on social media, but I don't have a lot of followers because I don't even know, you know, I'm not all, I'm not, I, I don't know how to, you know, be, um, get the followers and not all tech savvy. But, <laughs> 2018, but, get hip. Okay, get hip, hey, get hip. Blow so, up. I'm, I'm yeah. sure... I'm sure being able to, um, you know, have your say and get your story out there. I'm sure that you feel like a new, you feel like a new person 
being able to release all this tension. Yeah, yeah, yes. I'm telling you, I've been taking care of everybody else, and and I was fine with that, but walking around with all this heaviness on me, it, it really has weighed on me heavily. Just, I mean, I feel like I was always in defense mode. You ever, you, you know how you sit when you cold, you raise your shoulders up close to your ears. That, yeah. that was my posture. That was my posture. That's, I, I always sat like that. I just sat on ready, like something gonna happen. So I'm ready for it. Whatever's coming, I'm ready. And that came from just the years and years of abuse and control. And it, it was just so much that it, it just weighed on me. But when I wrote this book, it was just like a, the heavy weights, the chains, everything just came off me. It was, it, it was such a relief. I feel so much lighter. Even my kids told me, they were like, Mom, you just look so much happier now. And I told them, I am much happier now. I've been living for a living. That's it. Waking up, just living. But now I'm alive. I feel alive. I feel like I have a life. And I feel like I'm about to start. Well, I ain't even about to. It's already started. I'm on the move. I'm doing things that I ain't did before. Right. I just wanted to um, jump in and just say, you know, I'm truly proud of you and happy that you was able to complete it because I actually can't sense the difference. Um, we, we don't get to see each other as often. But um, when I did see you, it felt so good to just give you a hug. Because <laughs> I could just say, you know, you know we ain't the most affectionate people in the world, but you know, it was just good. It was just good for us to embrace, and I could just feel your, you know, your new energy, and I was really happy for you. So, yeah, I'm happy for me too. I'm telling you, I've been smiling through crying eyes for years. I've been, I mean, you know, the, 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 I'm going back to the abuse, but just to bring it back to where we are now. When you, when I was being abused, I was always told to fix my face, right? Mm -hmm. So that meant because I was crying about it, get it together, fix your face so that it would look like nothing is wrong. So because that started at such a young age and it carried on out, you know, for most of my life that I, I, ain't really, I didn't even really know how to smile. I would look, if I look back at some of my pictures, it looked like I was just looking through something or looking through somebody. It was just like my eyes were there, but they were like dead to whatever I was seeing. There was no life in my eyes because I never really knew how to smile without thinking to fix my face. I really couldn't show emotion because I had to fix my face. You, you cry, fix it. Get your face together. Don't be, don't have your face looking like something wrong. Fix it. You know, and because I went through all those things, it was just like, hey, who am I? Like, what? I, I, it was just, I don't really, I can't even explain. It, it's just hard to explain, but just always having to fix your face. You don't know what your face supposed to look like, what your expression is supposed to look like. But I can honestly say today, 
when I'm laughing, it's because I really want to laugh. And I ain't got to worry about putting a mask on. I made a post to say mask off because I took it off. It, this is who I am. It's, it's written. This is who I am. All that weight is off of me. Nobody can control me anymore. Nobody going to tell me, well, if you don't do this, I'm not going to do that. I'm just, I'm not controlled anymore. I'm not in that abusive state anymore. And I feel good. So I feel sound, happy and excited. It sounds like the book allowed you to find your true self. Exactly. It did. So I'm going to just conclude with this. Um, what is your, what are your goals for the book? We're not, we're not talking about sales or nothing like that. Just your goals. Like, what do you want people to get out of reading the book? I want people to get hope out of the book. That's what I want. I want them to gain hope in hopeless situations. And I want them to gain a relationship with God. If they don't have one, I want them to gain a relationship with him. And if they do have one, then I want them to gain a closer one with them. Wow. Knowing that no matter what they go through, that God is able to do above and beyond all that they can imagine. Whatever they're going through, just I want them to know that God is able. He may not do it exactly when we want him to do it, but God is on time. He's on time. He shows up in the nick of time. So that's what I want. I want them to gain hope in the Lord. Well, amen, Reverend Dickens. Amen. Would you um would you like for people to follow you on social media? Absolutely. If I know my what what is my name on social media? Oh Lord. Do you want me to tell it or you, or you can figure yeah. it out? No, you can go ahead and tell them. Oh my God. I gotta figure it. It's uh Tanya Dickens on Facebook. Hey, yes. And right. Dollar Sean 71 on Instagram. You may have to spell it. You may have to spell it WN seven one. And how do we um how do we, how do the listeners get a copy of the book? Okay, so you can um reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, and I can um give me your information and I will mail you a copy. And um, I'm also it's also available on Amazon. And it's saying and we're gonna just to make it clear the title is. He kept he me. Kept me. And it's available. On the other side of through. And it's Whatever available. Through is. Come on, James. Let me finish. Let me yeah, finish. I'm my bad. My bad. <laughs> he kept me. Be yourself on the other side of through. Whatever your through is, see yourself on the other side of it. So what I want y'all to do is, okay. See yourself, put a line, like stand up, put a line, draw a line right across just in front of your feet. See yourself on the other side of through. So that, that line represents through, through 
something going on with your children, something going on in your marriage, something going on in your finances. Just see yourself on the other side of it. So take your foot and step over that line because you done made it to the other side of the route. You're talking like you want a collection plate to get past. Okay, it. come on, get that offering going. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and um, I wish okay. you all the best on the book. And once again, I want to just say congratulations and I love you. Okay, thank you so much. I love you too. All right. You all have a great one and thanks for listening.